I'm Marie Ortenberger, and you're listening to Echoes, a production of Great Lakes Echo. For those of us who are lifelong inhabitants of the Great Lakes region, it can be easy to forget the ways in which those vast bodies of fresh water influence our lives. It can also be easy to take their abundance for granted. During a time when water systems are failing, algal blooms are obliterating ecosystems, and controversies over oil pipelines loom, many artists say it's important to remind the region's inhabitants why we love the Great Lakes. Patricia Clark and Ginny Jenkins, chairs of the writing and art departments at Grand Valley State University, respectively, asked 16 artists and poets to reflect on the Great Lakes and the land that surrounds them in the exhibition they curated called Great Lakes Image and Word. The project started with a concept, collaboration. Clark had been interested in the ways visual artists and writers could work together. I was teaching with Jill Eggers, and she and I were doing a class called How to Love the World, and it involved writing poems and making paintings and close observation of the world. And what we contend, our, our basic idea is, if you look at things closely, you learn to love them because you look at them long enough, you kind of dissolve as a person and you, and you come to really love these things. I don't know if that can really be proven to be the case, but that was our idea. So that's where the original idea kind of came from. It's like, paintings and poems. So Clark and Jenkins set out to find eight visual artists and eight poets, all with substantial ties to the Great Lakes, to pair together to see what kind of magic they could cook up. The displayed pieces include poems, paintings, sculptures, installations, and photographs, each with a unique interpretation of how image and word can work together, and each with a different presentation of the Great Lakes region, which Jenkins said they hoped would help attract artists to the region. Part of it was also celebrating what's so special and what's so unique about this region and convincing people why they should come and live here. Clark, who is a poet, collaborated with Hoon Lee, the ceramics program coordinator at GVSU. She wanted to explore the power of the Great Lakes and their ability to take away life. I couldn't help but focus, I guess, from the beginning on the power of the lakes and the ability to, to kill people and have people drown. But I think the original thing that stuck with me was this voices of people who had drowned. And when Hoon and I met and talked, we both went off in our separate directions, but um, that was sort of a touch point, is sorrow and the power of the lakes. But the number of people over the years that misjudged the power and, and, and drowned. Lee's interpretation of that notion started with a broken cello and grew into what is now displayed in the gallery, a glass column filled with a 50-50 solution of distilled lake water and artificial tears. The column holds ceramic molds of disembodied cello parts and a speaker. The speaker is connected to a device by a cello string, which transmits a recording of Clark reading her poem, Threnody, into the solution, where it becomes nearly inaudible. Unless, of course, you push your microphone right up next to it like I did. It's still pretty inaudible, 
but you get the picture. The sound creates minuscule disturbances in the water, slowly eroding the delicate cello parts over time. The visual and word come together as an elegy to those whose lives are cut short by the power of the lakes. And that's just one interpretation of the subject matter. The pieces that fill the rest of the gallery touch on a whole spectrum of feelings, memories, and mysteries invoked by the region. Visual artist Nida Colazzo-Lorenz was paired with writer Ander Monson. They derived their inspiration from two extremely low-frequency transmitters located near Clam Lake, Wisconsin and Republic, Michigan. The transmitters are a piece of history. From 1984 until 2004, they sent messages to American nuclear submarines around the world. Colazzo Lorenz and Monson explored the sites and transmissions of the transmitters in sound, video, and poetry. Their piece is spooky and rhythmic and beautiful. The sound you hear now is from their installation, and it gives you a good sense of the piece's aura. And Colazzo Lorenz and Monson's collaboration isn't stopping with the exhibition. I think probably the coolest thing, I don't know about the coolest, but Ander Munson and Nida Colazzo Lorenz, they've had so much fun together, they're making a small book with their, with their collaborative mm-hmm. results. And additional material that yeah, not that's not in the show. The show. Um, and so that seems really cool. Collaboration can spill over. And so the idea of making friends really succeeded. In that way, Clark's and Jenkins's goals were accomplished. They created friends in their programs through collaboration. And during the exhibition's display, the collaboration will expand into yet another medium. The GVSU New Music Ensemble, a group of undergraduate musicians that performs new compositions, is having their yearly competition coincide with the Great Lakes Image and Word exhibit. Student composers have created a selection of one-minute-long pieces inspired by the art and poetry in the exhibit. The pieces will be judged by the public and a jury in late February. Nico Schrader, a senior at GVSU, is participating in the competition. He said there's a lot of different ways a musician can go about interpreting a piece of art, but ultimately, you always bring your personal experience. A whole lot of what this is, because it's so personal to us, is our personal response to the pieces, which is how you end up with not the exact same thing with every composer. So part of this project is that we were each assigned a piece to respond to, which I think is good because a lot of the compositional process is restriction. Where do you start? And then we were given the opportunity to respond to more, up to three of the pieces. I think the method of response has a lot to do with it too, sort of moving between the the intellectual and then the intuitive, which is something we talk about a lot. So the the response process could be anywhere from taking the image we have, putting it into a computer, having the computer spit out numbers based off the image, and then using that to make a piece, which people, people have done things similar to that before. Or we could print a copy of the piece, run through the woods, crumple it up, throw it on the ground, and then look at it, see how we feel, and scribble onto a page that and make that into the piece. So just personally how we consume it is important. Nick Herman, a sophomore, is also competing. She described her process. I wanted to see if I could successfully translate the art into the music and also the poetry. Like I said, finding the rhythms and then tying that in with the actual visual aspects. Like some of the art is really like circular and busy and there's a lot of interaction between things. And you can translate that into the music by having different instruments be different 
parts of a painting or the piece and have them interact in similar ways that they interact in the art. Schrader said that it can be difficult to examine a work in a medium that's unfamiliar, but it's important to pay attention to the ways artists and other mediums communicate. He took the course that Clark co-taught with Jill Eggers that helped inspire the exhibition. It's strange to us that the art gallery is in the music building. And I think so often students don't think to stop by unless there's a reception with food, in which case we always stop. But the, the artwork is, I mean, it's often student-made or faculty-made or in some way associated with the school. And it's, I think, How to Love the World, the class, helped me realize that it's important for us to consume those things. And even music professors talk about this, too, because there's sort of this, this conflict between we need to be in a practice room practicing for five hours a day and how can we create new and inspiring art if we're not in touch with the world at large or inspired by something particular. Both Herman and Schrader have lived in the Great Lakes region for years and both look fondly upon their experiences here. Herman remembers going to the beach with her family and watching the sunset on Lake Michigan with her friends from GVSU. Schrader recalls his time teaching at Blue Lake Fine Arts Camp in Interlock in Michigan. Blue Lake was a particularly important experience for me because working at this camp we brought in counselors from all over the state and they were all just astounded by the lake and we would go there all the time from swimming when it was 50 degrees to sneaking onto beaches in the middle of the night to look at the stars. We have so many of these stories and a lot I think a lot of people grab onto that because it's such a, a unique experience when we're talking about finding your voice. There is There are a few things that I think you can talk about that are more important to your identity than place and where you came from. And the two student composers agree that making art about those memories is essential to communicating the importance of the Great Lakes region and the risks it faces. There are great ways to get ideas and important information to a wide variety of audiences who otherwise just wouldn't really be interested. I think that aspect of art is undervalued a lot. I mean, we've known for a long time that people are more likely to listen to problems if you can present it to them in an interesting way. So as, as artists, we almost have this responsibility to bring to light these issues because people would rather listen to us present them through art than read a boring document about it. And so people are, people are realizing that this is something that we can talk about and that we can make a difference with. And I think that's reflected in the, the art that we were responding to in the gallery a lot was the not only the beauty but also the tragedy be it natural or human inflicted upon the lakes so i think this is an excellent opportunity for us to as young composers to begin reaching out and sort of realizing the power and responsibility that we have with speaking about things in our art the great lakes aren't the worst subject matter either it's hard to make anything less than a work of art when that's what you're starting with Herman said Great Lakes sunsets for her are particularly breathtaking. Seeing all the colors on the water and when the waves are kind of like carrying them to shore. Mm -hmm. And like the, the seconds after it sets when it's still light out and you can still see all the colors but there's no sun so you can like directly look. I mean it kind of reminds me of like that second right after you finish playing a piece. You played it really beautifully and there's silence before anyone like claps or anything. We're all still observing it. It's great. Those are moments worth protecting. The music in this podcast was performed by the GVSU New Music Ensemble under the direction of Bill Ryan. You can hear these songs and more at the New Music Ensemble's Composition Competition on Thursday, February 25th at GVSU's Performing Arts Center.
This podcast was recorded, edited, produced, etc. by myself, Marie Ortenberger. Thanks for listening.